Alrighty, hello listeners, this is Marco. Um, I'm filling in as host this episode for Sean. He's being a bit of a scamp and scuttled off to go watch wrestling. Does he know, does he know about this? I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he left me in charge, Marco. I, I think you're just, you're just taking over the show. That's what's happening? That's what's happening. Um, so I'm sticking it to Sean. Wow. Yeah, he, he, I'm, I'm still, I'm still salty from the, uh, from him not saying that Colossus and Kitty is true love. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sean is against illegal sex acts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, on the other hand, has been, uh, it seems he's been plucked from our very own timeline. He's missing somewhere, so I guess we'll see him next week. He's also watching wrestling, but it's in the past. But it's in the past, right. That said, joining me today, uh, the grouch with a pouch who reads comics on his couch, Mr. Kale Ward. <laughs> that sounds like me. Yeah, that sounds like me. I don't appreciate your attention to my pouch, but yeah, that, that sounds right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then, of course, the man who needs no introduction as his voice precedes him, Pete and Bessie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was about to be like, man, did you really just phone it in and give me the man who needs no introduction? But that's good. That's good. Hey, you'll hear me coming from a his, mile away. His voice precedes him. <laughs> um... So yeah, so um, thank you guys for joining us today uh, on this episode. As Sean likes to say, we are a group of pals who uh, came together because, you know, we don't talk about comics in, in our daily lives. I messed that up, but... That wasn't you know, even close. It wasn't even close. After, it's been 66 episodes, and you don't have the introduction memorized? No, 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 here's the thing. I, I, have it me- I had it memorized right before this. I listened to the, the, the intro like three times. To you just, also edit the show. You must I do. have listened to it. You've listened to it twice as many times as the rest of us. <laughs> We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who decided to join. Re- oh my god, who decided to record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. There he goes. All right, all right. Dead. Round of applause for the boy. Dead. Jesus. Good um, lord. This is the this is the high caliber episode you have to look forward to, listeners. We're professionals. Some of us are. Uh, yeah, a couple of us are here who know what they're doing. Excuse me. Uh, if I was hosting the show, we'd already be into the fucking. We'd be into the first thing by now. Let's go, Marco. Pick up the pace. <laughs> All right. So first off, um, it just is some reader mail. Um, I decided to since I am taking over the show. I took this duty from Pete as well. So what the hell is going on? I guess I'm just here to look pretty. It's full on anarchy. It's great. That's what you guys are. That's it. Um, so uh, this morning actually, Brian. I'm not sure if it's the same Brian as last week, Brian Allen. Um, it's his name is. I don't think it is. But anyway, his his handle is at Chrome Dick, which I enjoy. Um, Oh, I bet you did. (laughs) (laughs) This is on this is on Twitter, right? Yeah, on Twitter. Um. And Brian reached out ask, uh, asking, hey, Marco, um, ever read Uzumaki by Jinji Ito? Uh, I read part of it online and it looked pretty cool. Thought you might be interested. I plan to pick up the trade paperback soon. So thanks for writing in, Brian. I have heard of Uzumaki. I know of Jinji Ito from one of his other books, uh, Gyo, which has a story called uh, The Enigma of the Amiragi Fault which is a super cool um, like singular story within that collected edition. I'm, I haven't read Uzumaki before, um, but I, I am aware of it. I am aware of, of Ido as, uh, as an artist and writer. He's really, really cool. Um, and I really appreciate you, uh, you reaching out, like knowing my horror sensibilities. So 
Really appreciate it. Uh, it's a book that I definitely want to pick up. I know you guys don't really read uh, manga at all, but if you guys are interested, it's like some really trippy horror stuff. The the specific story in general from Gyo um, is basically this small town. There's like an earthquake, which splits open a mountain. And inside that mountain, there are... Um, Holes for every people. Yes. Oh, man. This story it's good, is right? so good. It's what it's it's one of the few uh uh manga stories and like comics from other cultures that's like cemented in my mind from school. Yep. I love this one. It's so good. So so basically in this story the the holes they're people shaped. And the whole thing is that the 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 main character feels pulled to to his hole. Like it, you know, there's like a draw to it that he can, he just can't um, ignore. That's super and interesting. And so the the horror and the mystery comes on the other side of the hole. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. So like this this is Uzumaki is like another series, another sort of collection of horror writing. Um, and Gyo, where this story comes from, is like a, a separate one. I haven't read the rest of it, but uh, I have read that story and a couple others. And it's really, really good. I really recommend it to anybody who's a fan of horror. And Kale, I mean, if you liked it, dude, the rest is really cool. Uzumaki. Uzumaki and Ngyo. 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 Cool. All right. Yeah, that's rad. I probably won't read those, but sound neat. <laughs> it's, you know, not, I'm not into manga or horror, so. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, jumping into. Whoa, 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 whoa. Marco. What's up? Well, you, you, gotta, you gotta do the plugs, man. If you want to write in, you could write in. You know, come on, man. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, eh, if, if you guys want to write in, um, the easiest way to do so uh, would be through any of our social media networks. Uh, Brian reached out on Twitter. You can reach out on Facebook. Last week, Brian Allen reached out on um, on Facebook. You can also reach out on Instagram. Send us an email. Um, at the Comics Pals. At the Comics Pals. <laughs> the Comics Pals at gmail.com. Hit us up. Send us some love. Say hi. Recommend some more books. I'm interested in these kinds of things, so always want to talk about them. <laughs> Don't forget to rate us five stars on iTunes because uh, we're hungry. <laughs> and subscribe to our YouTube channel. St- stay tuned because we're doing some new stuff. There we go. All right. We, I think we made it through most of the plugs there. This is a little, little yeah. half-assed. A little shaky. But, uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't have the 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 professionalism that Sean brings to this show. Kid wants to come up and play with the big boys. He doesn't even bring a script. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing here, man? Come on. I have a script and I skipped it. What What is wrong with you? <laughs> it, oh I my jumped. god! All right. What's next on this fucking horror train to nowhere? He's probably gonna change his Twitter handle again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kill you. I'll literally kill you. <laughs> so, um. Let's jump into the Swamp Thing trivia because I want to play this game with you guys. We're doing Swamp Thing trivia? Swamp Thing trivia. So back on, what is it, episode, was it last episode? No, 64 when we were all live, we were all together. We uh, Phil debuted a new game for us, which was his Flash trivia, but it was about Stan Lee. This week it's going to be about Swamp Thing because I'm hosting and because <sighs> you guys are all my victims now. So Jesus. Let's, let's test out your knowledge. Victims is... Yeah, that's exactly Victims, what yeah. we are. App, we are a, we are a captive audience for this. <laughs> <laughs> so the way the game works, I ask a series of questions. There's going to be seven. Uh, you have to respond to it. We put a timer um, a minute down on the clock. Uh, we cycle through the questions. 
and you try to get as many as you can right. So who's gonna go first? Uh, last week, no, the the other time we did it, I think Pete went first. Pete went first. Yeah. So then Kale, we'll go, we'll go Kale first. All right, so I'll take my headphones out and you do Kale's, and then you guys just give me a wave when it's time to come back. Yes, sir, Bob. I'm uh, just gonna pull up the timer really quick. Okay, and starting with question one now. Uh, in what year did Swamp Thing debut? Nineteen sixty-eight. Well, what was Swamp Thing's original human name in House of Secrets number ninety-two? Alec Holland. Who created Swamp Thing? Len Wein. And I want to say Bernie Wrightson, but I know that's wrong. Which of these three teams did Swamp Thing not briefly partner with? The Challengers of the Unknown, Doom Patrol, or Justice League? Challengers. What is the name of Swamp Thing's daughter? Mary. (laughs) Which famous character was created within the pages of Swamp Thing before spinning off on its own? That's an easy one. John Constantine. Which on repeated occasion have I stated is my favorite Swamp Thing issue? That's a personal one. 58. (laughs) Uh, All right, time. I don't know. (laughs) We'll do the answers in a sec. All right, uh, Pete, bring him back. Hey, I'm back. How do you do? Um, not great. Okay, cool. Bar is low. Let's do it. I mean, the bar is low anyway. Let's get real. Yeah, that's fair. I gave him an extra 15 seconds to get through some of the questions, so Pete will give you an extra 15. <laughs> okay. Just really wanted to get that extra question in, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Number one. In what year did Swamp Thing debut? 1972. What was Swamp Thing's original human name in House of Secrets number 92? Oh, it's like... Mark something? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> who cre- who created Swamp Thing? Uh, uh, Len Wein and uh, another guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which of these three teams did Swamp Thing not briefly partner with? Challengers of the Unknown, Doom Patrol, and Justice League. Or Justice League. Uh, the Justice League. Which, uh, what is the name of Swamp Thing's daughter? I don't know. Pass. All right. What? Uh, which famous character was created within the pages of Swamp Thing before spinning off on its own? Uh, um, Constantine. Which, on repeated occasion, have I stated is my favorite Swamp Thing issue? Oh, uh, yeah, repeated occasion. Yeah, right. Like I, you said it at Comic Con once. Oh, I've said it multiple times. <laughs> it's one with his birthday, maybe with the cake on it. It's an Alan Moore joint. I don't know. <laughs> You're not wrong. In what year did Swamp Thing debut? Wait. Uh, di- oh, so I was wrong. The first 1973. And stop. So, Pete won. Woo! <laughs> yep. Because you got that half a point for remembering your birthday. Undisputed champion. Well, no, because he, he guessed uh, uh, which partner, which team Swamp Thing partnered with. Right. Yes. So, the answers were, uh, in what year did Swamp Thing debut? 1971. Fuck! I was so close! You were super yeah, close. I said 68. Yeah. Shit! So, he debuted originally in House of Secrets number 92. Um. And he was created by Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson. Uh, so, oh, hell yeah. I can't believe I got that right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was Swamp Thing's original human name in House of Secrets number 92? So originally his name was Alex Olsen before uh, Swamp Thing number one became Alec Holland. Okay, Alec Holland. So, oh, yeah. damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you so, say? I said Alec Holland. Oh, okay. That's that's his name now, but when he originally it was Alex Olsen. Damn. I almost, I almost said um, Alec Guinness, and I knew that was not right. <laughs> so which of these three teams did uh, Swamp Thing not partner with? So it was the Challengers of the Unknown, uh, Doom Patrol, and Justice League. So Justice League was correct. The fra- so the phrasing of the question was, which one did he not partner with? Yes. So he's never been in the Justice League. 
No, he's never teamed up with the Justice League. Right. Okay. Right. Is that's not true? That yeah, it is. Are you sure? Positive. All right. It's a trick question because I I, I gave this to, to to my brother too, just like to to see. Um. So there's an issue where Justice League is featured in the story, but they never him and them and Swamp Thing never actually interact. Like there's no actual like communication with whatever doom patrol for example there was a a 90s book called totems in which he appears and he's working with the doom patrol they're trying to solve some whatever kind of crazy mystery and then the challenges of the unknown uh right before the first volume was going to be canceled so i think issues 63 through 68 um he was part of uh part of the team with dead man huh all right um what is the name of swamp thing's daughter it's tefe she was first introduced uh, named only as the Sprout in issue number 65 uh, in 1987, but she was actually born in issue 90, which was in 1989. This one you guys both got right. Uh, which famous character was created within the pages of Swamp Thing before spinning off on its own? Constantine. Another another one, my instinct was to say Wolverine. <laughs> no. Yeah, duh. <laughs> and then, uh, which on repeated occasion have I stated is my favorite Swamp Thing issue? Uh, it is Swamp Thing Annual number nine, number two by Alan Moore, Stephen Bissett, and John Tottleman. That's the one where he, uh, it's an allegory to uh, the divine comedy. He descends into hell. He goes, visits pur- uh, purgatory. He visits heaven. And then he saves Abigail's uh, soul from his twisted, perverted uncle. A plant monster goes to hell? Yeah, it's cool, man. Based on even just Pokemon rules, that's not <laughs> not cool. He's a grass type. <laughs> Can't survive nope. down there, man. Nope, it's not. It's not true. So that was fun for me. Wasn't that fun for you guys? It was. Something. I feel like I'm chained up in a basement. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, okay. So we'll go into pals polls. And then we'll read our Doomsday number three, which uh, we recorded previously. We wanted to get uh, everybody's opinion, and Phil, unfortunately, wasn't able to to make it, but we did get Sean, so we are going to talk about that um, in a little bit. So for our Pals polls, uh, keeping with the Swamp Thing theme, I got Swamp Thing Winter Special number one. Uh, I Googled it yesterday, unfortunately, and it got delayed, so it's actually coming out in two weeks. But wanted to give it a shout out because I did send, I sent an email to the Longbox boys and I want them to review it so I can read along with them and I can also listen. Because, you know. That's the only way, that's the only way to get Marco to listen to your podcast is to have <laughs> Swamp Thing on it. I swear to God, if you, if you try to inject Swamp Thing in this show one more time, you're talking about a book that's coming out in two weeks on your pals' polls. Enough is enough. <laughs> it was supposed to come out this week. I will, it's that's great, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> So then uh, Pete got Void Trip number three. Uh, Pete, want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. So if you're a regular listener of the show, um, you've heard us talk about Void Trip uh, at least a couple times, right? Um, when issues one and two came out, we also did an interview with uh, the creators, um, our pals Ryan O'Sullivan and Plaid Klaus. Uh, but it's uh, an awesome little indie book from Image. And, you know, it's it's all about kind of the last two uh, human beings left trying to, you know, take a drug-fueled journey across the galaxy to get to a utopian planet, more or less. Um, and uh, as you can guess, uh, hilarity and drama ensue. So definitely uh, a book I'm really enjoying and uh, one I'd highly re- recommend. 
Sweet. Um, and Kale picked Flash Annual Number One. Uh, so this is the beginning of the Flash War arc. Um, Wally West is has recently come back from the uh, the previous um, Earth, like the the previous timeline. He's come come back into the DC continuity, and that uh, struck the 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 rebirth movement, I guess. Um, and the whole time he's uh, been here, he, uh, to my knowledge, hasn't uh, made himself known to Iris, who is, you know, Barry Allen's girlfriend, wife. I'm not sure if she is in regular continuity or not, but in this continuity, I mean, um, but so he, he's wrestling with that idea and, uh, the, uh, upcoming events are going to, uh, trigger, uh, a war between the flashes, um, which is, uh, really fucking cool. Um, Joshua Williamson has been just, uh, he's, I, I think he's been on it since Rebirth, and man, he's just knocking it out of the park. He's making, uh, The Flash like an A-tier book, um, which it hasn't been for a minute. Um, so, this, uh, buy this, pick this up. Yeah, you're, you're a big speedster boy, right? I love The Flash, man. Yeah. Um, and then you also picked uh, JLA Doom Patrol Special Number One. Uh, so this is the beginning of the Milk Wars. Crossover. Milk Wars. Yes. Oh, is that it? That's all I really have to say about that. Oh, it, sounds, okay. it seems dope. I'm really excited to see what happens. Yeah. No. Same. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to the Milk Wars. Uh, uh, actually, I think who was it? Was it? I I saw on Twitter this morning. Um, DC shared like a video, and they have like a milk carton promoting oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, the milk that. wars and he's like spinning it and stuff it's it's really cool huh um yeah yeah well uh i'll try to dig up the tweet and we'll we'll link it in the description below um and then you also got hungry ghosts number one so this um i don't think it's the beginning of burgers books but it is oh yeah, yeah it, it is, is. it's okay yeah. rad oh shit it's i didn't uh, know that was that's awesome yeah so this is the beginning of uh burgers books uh the imprint from dark horse led mm-hmm. by uh karen Berger. um this book is written by uh anthony bourdain uh famous you know chef and world traveler that's so weird um, i'm really uh, yeah i'm really excited to see what he has to uh say you know in a comic book apparently he's written a, a graphic novel before I didn't, oh really i didn't know this but uh I, I don't know what it is someone told me about it i don't remember who it was that's pretty interesting so great job anonymous person <laughs> um yeah really excited about these that sounds yeah, really it's, cool it's a it's like a horror tangent book uh if you look at the cover uh i was commenting earlier it's by paul pope and it looks really cool it's it looks japanese um inspired so uh, something so that's weird. up my alley i think so weird that anthony bourdain is making a comic but whatever right let's give him a shot yeah i'm here for it yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm here for burger books, and like, I feel like this is Dark Horse. Hundred percent. This is Dark Horse's chance to not like collapse, you know, because like they're losing all of their bankable IP, and uh, you know, it's time for them to do something new, or we're probably going to see them fall away, you know, like with all the Disney stuff that they've just lost between Star Wars and now Alien, and you know, um. 
so many other th- properties. So uh, I hope this gamble works out for them for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I I wouldn't be surprised to see them become uh, another image. Honestly, yeah. I mean, they have the that'd be really cool. Like, if Burger Books really works and they can have a, a strong line of like creator driven books like this, then yeah, I I I think you're right. Um, cool. So that brings us into our Doomsday. Stop saying Doomsday. It's Doomsday Clock. Oh, sorry. <laughs> our Doomsday. That brings us into our uh, Doomsday Clock number three review. So, oh, we, we can do this now. Why uh, did we let him do this? <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll let Sean take it away from here. So we're going to talk about Doomsday Clock number three. We've all been very excited uh, for this issue to finally drop. And here it is. Uh, unfortunately, the series is about to go bi-monthly, which is really bad. For this, oh, I didn't know months came out like that. Good for them. <laughs> it's you know, Sean, you're just putting months on blast like that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so it's about to go by monthly, which is really bad for a book like this because uh, it's already a slow burn, and I don't think that I felt the slow burn more than I did here. Yeah, I I really expected this to already be done, like you know the Gary Frank and Jeff Johns have been such a such a good team that I thought this would be the kind of a title that they would set aside and have them specifically working on so that they could take their time and get it right. Like I I guess I figured they had been working on this like two years ago. See, I didn't get that impression, but I definitely agree with you that I thought that this book was going to take priority for them in a way where, like, we wouldn't see delays or anything like that. Seeing it go bi-monthly was really surprising for me and super disappointing Um, because I agree with you, Sean, that I don't think that the way this story is being told is going to benefit from that space. Yeah, so, like, the one thing I can say is that uh, John said that that – they were working on it for a while before we saw anything and that i mean this is the only thing that either one of them is working on aside from like the one comic book wise well yeah but aside from the one because john's is the problem gary frank is the problem as far as the delay is concerned and he's only working on this so he gary's style and you can tell like in all of his other work it's not always as detailed as it is here Especially in terms of like how they're laying out the book in very specific ways with very specific paneling and stuff like that. Yeah. Like it, I can imagine it takes a lot of time to put this kind of thing together. And I guess the lead in time that they had wasn't enough, which is, it's just crazy that, you know, it's going to slip into the bond monthly. But let's talk about the book. Sure. Uh, so. We kick off with a continuation from last issue where, you know, the comedian <laughs> is back um, and he shot Lex Luthor, which is ridiculous. Uh, and it just kind of progresses. That's a sentence that you're saying in real life. That's a thing that happened. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Uh, I guess we got an explanation. You know, Dr. Manhattan saved him. He it, it seems like he, like, plucked him out of time. Yeah. Yeah, that was the impression I got. And that he'll... I figure, like, eventually he'll go back where he's supposed to be in some way because, obviously, like, we know that 
the comedian's body was was found. So I think I think it depends on what happens with the the continuity here. That's a good point, but I I think Sean's probably right. I feel like we're going to see the other side of that scene again. That he'll blink back into the drop and we'll see him hit the ground and die. I I don't know from what, but it could be from something else, which is actually a really interesting thought. Yeah, I, I kind of got the um. I think going back to what Sean said, I think in issue one, um, with like the like the penny, the duality. So I kind of saw it as like that he's dead in one universe and like alive in another. Like that was kind of reading into it, but I got like a similar feeling of like two like sort of two sides of it um of it, of the same coin, sure. like different. They're, they're like they're, they're parallels in their in their styles, and like that's what they're trying to do is really separate one from the other but still keep it connected by like tied through something there is a a small line that i I did want to bring up and and this is good a place as any it says uh, the line is something the effect of uh the killed will be killer did you guys pick that up i was wondering if that was one of those small like alan moore-esque hints at what could be you know in the future so that i mean the comedian is a, a logical line through if you if you if you take it that way i didn't yeah i didn't put that together at, at the time but now that you say that that would make sense hmm. there are several uh sort of like little things like that and there's another one that i'll, I'll bring up a little later um but i want to talk about the marionette and 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 all that cool stuff that we got to see my god uh those two are the best like yeah and I'm so happy that that's my opinion, that yeah. like in a story yeah. that's supposed to be a Watchmen sequel, that the characters I'm the most invested in are the two new ones. As listeners might know, I'm not a big fan of superhero comics, <laughs> but that was some comic shit I dug. That was, that was cool, man. Well, why'd you like it so much? Um, I think, well, like it's always like it's alluded to that, you know, he has invisible weapons and then like seeing him with yeah. him out, it's like, yeah. You, you, you know, you, you tease that out on me and, like, you're pulling the triggers. Like, thank you. Um, and all, uh, just, like, the, like, what Sean was saying, the paneling was really good. The way they, they showed the motions um, sort of took you through that spatially. It was really cool. I think that was probably the strongest part of this issue for me was the paneling. Mm. I, there was a couple yeah. times where just the page layout really blew me away. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but while we're on the subject of that, my favorite scene was... Um, Osmandius' escape when there was that one shot of him and it was across the three panels of him like diving across the you know the 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 street to land yeah. to the other side like it was just so stylish you know yeah yeah and uh, you know if, if that's the like caliber of art that we can expect for the next what is it eight issues nine issues um, yeah okay I'm, I'm bad at math I know how many issues there are I just it's, it's um, nine <laughs> yeah it's nine I, I have to say, I guess it'll be worth the wait because I, I definitely agree with you, Marco. That was something that really stood out to me, this issue, especially because the story was so slow Yeah, that I feel like the art did a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, and I think, I mean, this is equal parts, Johns and Frank, and uh, that's that's what's so great about this and their dynamic is that you can tell with every issue that without either piece the puzzle doesn't work yeah because this script is strong even though like the issue was slow in the overall narrative like there's a lot of really good moments in it i thought yeah absolutely um the the mime and marionette sequence 
is especially interesting because it answers one of the questions that people have had for the first couple of issues, which is what the hell is going on with the mind? Is he just crazy? Yeah. You know, what? what's the deal? Turns out he really does have weapons. Yeah. It's cool. I was going to say definitely crazy, but has weapons. <laughs> right. Uh, my question was, so do you guys think that are these like just tech or does he have powers? Like is it? Like, is he manifesting these weapons with powers, or is he just kitted out with invisible weapons that he got somewhere? Definitely invisible weapons. Yeah. yeah. You think? Uh, Yeah. That was what I was thinking, too, because Marionette also used them. I don't think so. She had, like, it seemed like a... a uh, like a, a wire. razor, a razor cord, razor thin. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. wasn't a gun, but it was still in, invisible, right? Like, no, not... no, no. It was. No, it was you, there. Can, you can see just oh, it's okay. a very thin cord. Okay, I because I got the impression that that was the outline of an invisible weapon because the same thing happened when he fired the gun and when he threw the knife. But hers was like a a razor thin wire that, in theory, you wouldn't be able to see anyway. Okay. All right, yeah, like yeah, like makes... razor sharp, like fishing line or something. That's a cool ass weapon. She like ripped up a dude, man. When she just like ripped that, like just cut that dude's hand off, yeah. and she's like, "Oh, you have really pretty eyes." It was like, what a what a panel, man. Awesome. Really, really, really uh, good stuff and great dialogue. I thought from uh, Johns as well. This is like, I mean, obviously they're kind of like the Watchmen universe's allegory for Joker and Harley Quinn. But they feel a lot more interesting in a weird way, I guess, because we've we're exposed so much. Totally agree to Joker and Harley. This dynamic is 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 very like it's fresh, reminiscent, but fresh at the same time. Yeah, and it's like the thing I like about it is like it, you know, <laughs> this to me feels like the relationship that all of the Edge Lords you see talk about how like they have Harley Quinn and Joker relationship goals. It's like oh. I think this is this is like what you're projecting onto their actually fucked up and abusive relationship where it's like seems like they're actually like they care about each other and they're like worried about their child and like they seem like people, you know, not like monsters. And not that Harley Quinn is necessarily a monster, but the Joker sure fucking is. Okay, these two are monsters. Uh, <laughs> they're definitely monsters. It's just that they they care about each other and their child because they, they, they murder they murder monstrously in this issue. They they do hack up a lot of, a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, another major development here that I think is is actually going to play out huge over the course of the next year because um, Doomsday Clock takes place about a year ahead of the current DC timeline. Uh, So here, they're dealing with this question of, like, why are there so many American uh, superheroes and super-powered people and that whole conspiracy theory? And it's really interesting how that plays into the story because if you think about it, Superman is like this paragon of good and virtue. and, And now his origin is being called into question is he a fake right and it just it just kind of like brings out the the cynicism that exists in everyone and the cynicism in a lot of ways is what watchmen was kind of known for um and dc supposed to be the direct allegory to that so if the end of the watchmen universe is the result of cynicism right then where is the dc universe going 
right? We see the protests. We see the request for Batman to take off his mask and all that stuff. Are they on the verge? Is Lex Luthor the Ozymandias of the Watchmen universe or of the DC universe in that sense? Like, are they on the road to that? I mean, I feel like they're trying to draw parallels between them, right? Like the last issue, there was a very concerted effort to point out their similarities and differences to us as as readers. So I think that's probably a pretty good guess. Did anyone else think it was a little weird that like the intro to the whole superhuman thing was they were like calling for Batman to take his mask off when he's like not a superhuman? Like, I thought that was a little strange. Like, I, I get people don't know that. That's fair, I guess. Like, like the general myth around Batman is that he's just as much uh, superhuman as Superman or Wonder Woman. That makes sense. There's also some missing context here that you only know if you're reading current Justice League. Uh, in that book, there's a storyline playing out where uh, basically there's an imposter Batman. And he's doing some things that are really messed up and murdering and people are thinking that it's the real Batman that's doing that and they want his head and in the book people are asking the question of well how am I supposed to know that there's not more than one Batman or how are we supposed to take his word when we don't even know who he is and so that actually is I'm sure that that this is deliberate that these stories are playing out at the same time um even though Doomsday Clock takes place a year in advance. So you can see how after this Justice League story plays out and over time, they would get to the point where this is the result. But if you don't read the Justice League book, then you don't know that. So that's kind of like a a misstep by DC. But I also like the fact that you don't necessarily have to have that context to read Doomsday Clock. Well, yeah, because it wasn't like I read that and I was like, oh, this makes no fucking sense. And it totally took me out of it. Like Batman's a part of the superhero community. Like, obviously, it was just I guess like that specifically, I guess, as someone who didn't have that context, I was kind of like, that's kind of weird, I guess. You know, like it definitely made me question it, but it wasn't like some glaring flaw in my mind by any means. So let's talk about the the show or the movie rather that um that that gets presented. That here. was a really fun plot device. I thought it's kind of like the black fr- the black freighter, right? For this for this story, it's the counterpoint. And uh, I really like that they introduced it here. So basically, um, the characters are watching a movie called The Adjournment. There's like there's a lot of of history towards to to this. Nathaniel Dusk is an actual comic book character in like in real life in our world. Um, and there were some stories told about him, but he kind of got disregarded. He gets brought back here in Doomsday Clock as a like a a, a movie sort of like a uh, like a, not like a James Bond, but I can't think of a great example. But he's a character. It's like those old fucking you know like gumshoe yeah. spy you know private investigator smoking a cigarette you know black and white kind of like Jessica Jones. What that's based on. <laughs> Essentially, essentially. But what's really interesting about this, and it seems like it's going to be like a Black Freighter-esque type thing, is that the actor who plays Nathaniel Dusk is named Carver Coleman, and he gets murdered. Um, And there's some really interesting stuff going on there, because I don't know if you guys caught this, but they say that the only thing that was missing off his body, they say this in the book, was his watch. Yeah, and that there are some lies he's been telling about his origin, how his family owns a farm, 
and all these different things. And it turns out that they're not true. And so I'm kind of wondering, how does this story relate to Dr. Manhattan? Because obviously no Watchmen fan is going to read that and not realize the watch thing. Yeah. And also they wouldn't, they wouldn't have given it this much screen time. And then the three pages of backup material that you're supposed to pick through to get these little details. If there wasn't, we're obviously getting threads here. I wonder if it's the body that, you know, back, back to the point about the comedian. I wonder if it's, and this is obviously a long shot speculation, but I wonder if it's the body that they bury in Watchmen in place of the comedian. Does he look oh. enough? Oh no, they said his face was beaten beyond recognition, even by his closest friends. That's the thing they said. Hmm. You might be on to something there, Kale. And even, hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't. Long shot speculation, but. There's something there. Yeah. There's something there. Um, I also I also took that that back matter as sort of a um, uh, the book that Hollis Mason writes um, in Watchmen, uh, detailing sort of their uh, you know his early career and and the forming of the Minutemen and you know all that. Um, they 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 point out uh, Ted Grant, who is the Wildcat, John Law, and Libby Lawrence. Those are all Golden Age superheroes uh john law i believe is uh um uh johnny quick N- oh was he he was like the the spirit predecessor i because he was divorced from libby lawrence who's the original liberty bell mm, i don't know i might be thinking of someone else no you're absolutely onto something kill uh i was reading about this a little earlier i don't remember all the exact details but there's a lot of like deep comic book yeah, yeah, yeah. references and stuff like that and speaking to your point about Hollis Mason, consider the way that this guy was murdered. Mm-hmm. Coleman was beaten with what they won't say is, a, is an Oscar, but it is. And the same way that Mason was beaten with one of his trophies, right? Yeah, his Night yeah. Owl trophies or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kale. Uh, John Law is a Will Eisner creation. Um, his partnership was with Lady Luck back in the day. So the, the, other, the only other thing I wanted to point out was that Coleman had a secret room, they say in the back matter, he had a secret room that was filled with clocks on display and different things like that. So there's a lot going on here, and I think that subsequent issues will absolutely address it. Um, So the other thing that I wanted to talk about is really kind of the centerpiece of this issue, which is the relationship between Batman and Rorschach. I was just going to say, so we found out that Rorschach is mostly a, a nobody, right? Not necessarily. We know that he was a cab driver uh, because he's seen in a cab. We see him in a cab when the events of Watchmen take place. Was it a cab? I missed um, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so there's that. I'm questioning how he survived. Um, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but we'll see. Especially if he was right in front of the thing like the comic tells us he was. Right. Yeah, It's. it looks like he's like you know, maybe 10, maybe 10 blocks away, you know, like it, it looks like he's very close. We see him wake up. It could have been a dream. Maybe he wasn't actually driving his cab when it took place. But why would you see yourself as a cab driver if you weren't? I would assume he was a cab driver, whether or not yeah. he was actually at the blast zone. Like that could be, like you said, kind of like a nightmare scenario. If he saw the footage of it, he's putting those two memories together in the dream kind of thing, you know? Yeah, that's what I that was my takeaway. 
Um, and then the other thing is is that he mentions that his family died on that day. So that's another hint. He was absolutely he had family. Whether that was he was the son of somebody relevant or maybe he wasn't relevant at all. We don't know. He also says he says in the scene, he's like, I got to get home to mom and dad. Right. So like when when he said that his family was killed, I thought that would mean like wife and kids. But I guess maybe it's his parents that he's talking about. Which, again, I'm thinking he's the son of of uh, I believe his name is Dr. Long from Watchmen. Yeah. Oh, Rorschach's still therapist. holding on to that. Right. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I was wondering about what Kale had said, right? Like, is he just a nobody? But then like, why? Why did he? take up the Rorschach mantle, like, you know, where did he get the journal? Like, there's a lot of questions as to why he would go this route if he's not connected to the original, you know, like, tree of people, as it were, somehow, you know, if he doesn't have some personal connection. But not necessarily, but I feel like, I feel like there is a connection there to someone from the original book sure and watchman is about legacies in a lot of ways i could see that being you know a connection um the one panel or sequence of panels that stuck out to me was when he's scrubbing himself yeah yeah, yeah. god trying to clean himself that and obviously so cool. he feels very very guilty about what he has uh involved himself in here with ozzy and he scrubs himself so hard he starts bleeding from the scalp. That was crazy. Yeah, it was a really intense moment. So I, I looked back at um, where the the guy was, the the Rorschach. Uh, he's in front of it. He's in behind a taxi. So we see taxi in front, but I don't think he's actually in a taxi. Huh? Are you sure? Yeah. If you go over to the page, there's like a, there's a taxi in in front of him. But there's a thing hanging from a rearview mirror and everything. Like he's in a car. Yeah, he's he's in a car, but not a not a cab. He's not driving a cab. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you're you're definitely right. Um, there's a, there's a taxi in front of him, so we'll see how that we'll we'll see how that all plays out. So then, uh, obviously, we've got the relationship between Batman and Rorschach, where we see Batman kind of reading the journal, which was really cool. Seems to be aligned with Rorschach, and they're ready to go find Doctor Manhattan. Batman has his his machine that can locate Dr. Manhattan and they, he says he's in Arkham. So they go to Arkham and they're walking through Arkham and they go into a cell and Batman locks him in. This is my favorite part. This is my favorite that part. That was so cruel, but like, yeah, it was such a good moment. I was just like, oh no. <laughs> like, Why does Batman do that? Because he's a nutter. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he must just think he's insane. You know, like, I, I think he definitely gets the impression that he's just, like, a crazy homeless man who has inklings of being a superhero who's involved in this big conspiracy. You know, like, that there's this, you know, because, like, think about it, right? Like, I totally get why from Batman's perspective, like, he would read this journal and, like, not take it at face value. That, that's what I thought. But then he's Batman. He's part of the Justice League. Like, but but also like this journal is an account of things that didn't happen in that the universe, right? Right. Like it's this alternate history, you know, and like so he might he might as well have handed uh, Batman a book about Twilight. We gotta go get Be we gotta go get Be Bella away from these vampires. <laughs> <laughs> and like I I totally get 
that argument of like, well, he's Batman. Batman deals with interdimensional stuff all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, sure, but he has n- like he doesn't know this guy from Adam, and he just shows up at the Batcave, which I guess maybe is a clue that he's you know somewhat legit because he figured it out and he yeah. knew who he was. But even so, that doesn't. That means okay, maybe this crazy guy's a good, good good detective. That doesn't mean his alternate history story is real. And that like, you know what I mean? Like it's a far fetched tale. And the guy smells while he's looking for it. He indicates that he has a fork pocket. That Batman's like, like there's literally a cut to him just being like, what? So like, I think he very much just gets the impression that he's totally nuts. And it's not that hard to break into the Batcave. Like, Ra's al Ghul does it every Tuesday. Like, <laughs> but he's a genius. Uh, the Flash does it every Wednesday. Like, big deal. The Flash <laughs> is a god. Flash can go through walls. He's I, also a genius. He's a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> I think that this, uh, that Batman's actions here are out of character. I really do. Um, I think that it doesn't make sense when you consider the button. Because the Button miniseries clearly establishes that Batman knows that something is happening. And so does the Flash. And Batman was investigating it. So the fact that somebody comes around with information about an alternate reality when the Button is literally all about the Batman going to an alternate reality um, and learning things that he's not supposed to know while chasing down a lead that clearly has something to do with something from an alternate reality doesn't add up for me. Just It just doesn't make sense. I don't think it's super out of character for him to to take that information and leave the person out of it and, you know, either put them at arm's length or get them uh, out of harm's way or just shut them out completely. I think I think that what you what you're saying right there sounds right. It's possible that maybe he thinks that this guy's out of his league, out of his depth. But why lock him up in Arkham? The, the fork pocket. He says you belong in here. Batman belongs in there just as much as Rorschach does in that but case. But Batman's rich, Sean. He doesn't care. <laughs> he has a house and a butler to take care of him. It's okay if he's crazy. Batman's a hypocrite. He can afford bail. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just think this was hypocritical, and I, I'm more inclined to believe that Batman would have tried to glean every bit of information that he could have than just lock the guy. I up. agree. There's too much at stake. I think that makes sense, especially when you point out it with the context of, uh, of the button, right? Like I, I had forgotten about the button because I only read the one issue that you, uh, you shared with me when we like went to the comic book store together in the middle of that series, you know, so. That's another thing where with that context, I can I guess I can see why you would feel that way for sure. Yeah, so I mean, overall, my feelings are that this was a solid issue. Definitely feeling the slow burn here. This is probably what people who read Watchmen when it was coming out felt like. Um, It's going to hurt when it goes by monthly. But if the quality will always be this good visually and storytelling wise overall, then I'm willing to wait. I've waited for worse series than this. So this is a monumental thing, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. Yeah, well, I would rather it take those two months because when it's all said and done and it's in one collection, we won't care how long it took, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, if it's a classic. If it's a bona fide classic like Watchmen is, it won't matter, you know? We'll forget that it went by monthly. We'll remember that it was great. Can I can I tell you guys what a shitty comics fan I am? <laughs> sure. 
I I forgot that uh what's the comedian's name? Eddie Blake? Yeah. I forgot that that the comedian dies. So bef- so before I read this issue, it's like the beginning of the book, right? But so it's been it's been a while since I've read it, right? But it's, yeah, it's fair. you know he he dies in the beginning of the book, and then that sets off the whole thing, right? But there's so much packed in Watchmen, and you see him so many other times in his costumes and you know raping. Uh, <laughs> I just like. I just when I saw when I saw I saw something uh it must have been a polygon or something that was like that was like yeah the comedian comes back from the dead and I was like the comedian died <laughs> 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 fucking fake ass comics boy over here <laughs> and then I had to I had to really think I had to really think about it and then I was like oh yeah <laughs> Jess does the comedian die <laughs> Jess is Kale's girlfriend for the uninitiated. Oh, sorry. Because it's funnier with context. See, much much like Doomsday Clock itself, if you've read <laughs> the extended literature, if you're caught up on the Pals League, you would know. The Pals League. <laughs> much like much like Watchmen, it's funnier with context. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so that's gonna do it for our conversation on Doomsday Clock and uh definitely let us know what you're thinking about the third issue. And let us know what your theories are. What is going on with Rorschach? Who is Reggie related to? Is he a cab driver or not? Um, yeah, uh, keep us posted on all your thoughts. And enjoy the rest of the show. I know I'm not on it, which makes it worse. But uh, have a good time well, with this one, kids. Don't worry, you guys. I got this. I'll hold down the fort. Here's looking at you, Marco. <laughs> wow, what a great review that was, guys. We did a really good job. That was really that was, that was a strong segment, I think. Wow, thanks, Marco. <laughs> Why? What What did you do? Sean just led that one. Yeah, but, you know, Mar- Mar- I brought I, it back. I brought I, it back I, to myself. You, you might not remember past Marco went, you've got this, Marco. We believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. Well, I guess, yeah, in the future where I'm in the middle of it, it's a little hard to... To remember that sense of optimism that we had last night when we were young and, and pure. I didn't. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, uh, as Sean said, if you guys like the discussion uh, and you want to join, please reach out to us uh, through social media on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, at the Comics Pals. Send us an email. Let us know your thoughts. Um, and keep reading the book to uh, with us. Uh, we know it's been moved to bi-monthly. But... Um, Stick along for the ride. We'll we'll be here reading it, uh, keeping keeping you guys posted on any kind of new developments there. So now, jumping into the news. I can get away with it now. We talking about the news. <laughs> the news. The news. Wait, that's 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 uh, all right. All right, <laughs> that's enough. Okay, you know what? So first up uh, is the hunt for for Wolverine has been announced. So this is a series written by Charles Soule, who uh, originally wrote The Death of Wolverine back in 2014. Uh, he is joined by artist David Marquez, and he will be writing, they'll be penning this series uh, to reveal exactly how he came back in Marvel's Legacy number one. Um, so this is kind of an event. Um, it begins in April in The Hunt for Wolverine number one, and then it continues in May across uh, the Adamantium Agenda, Claws of the Killer, Mystery, Mystery in Madripoor, and Weapon Loss, uh, which 
quote, with each series intended to address a different plot thread and genre. Um, this is coming from The Hollywood Reporter. That's so, like a lot of series about, all right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, so like, what do you guys think? Yeah, Adam, Adamantium Agenda is probably the coolest <laughs> Wolverine title they probably they could have come up with. That was definitely a very cool name. I can't believe they haven't come up with that sooner. Surely someone... That's got to be a reference to something. It's been sitting on a whiteboard somewhere for decades. <laughs> for years. Just waiting for the opportunity. <laughs> Somebody walks in and is like, wait, that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really have a strong opinion about this just because I'm so out of the main Marvel continuity. Like, it's cool that Wolverine's going to come back, but it's also like, how long? You know, I know Wolverine's been gone for, what, four years or five years? Like, I feel like Death of Wolverine Three. was in 2014, wasn't it? Yeah, it's been three years. Was it 24? I think it was 15. Nope, 2014. There you go. So, you know, by the time he actually comes back, it'll have almost been four years, I guess. Um, Well, he's already already back. Oh. He's in in Marvel Legacy number one. Okay. So, all right. Then, yeah. So, it's been three and change. And, like, I'm glad that they stuck to their guns for that long about it. But it's also, like, Old Man Wolverine's been around. And it's, I don't don't know. Like, I don't feel like Wolverine's been gone. So it's kind of hard to be excited for him to come back, especially when I'm just really not interested in keeping up with the main Marvel titles right now. So, like, you know, I uh, I'm sure Sean would be really excited about this or is excited about this. But Mm -hmm. for me, it's just like it's not really moving the needle. Yeah. Uh, With the death of Wolverine, it was another it was another one of those stories that was like, I mean, they're going to bring him back. Like, yeah, he's Wolverine. Like. And then immediately after that, they brought in Old Man Logan, and none of this feels new or surprising. I, I, I guess, I guess I can only hope they do something good with it. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, I thought this was just kind of like uh, monetizing on the death of Wolverine. Um, I guess fan base or the the people who originally like followed this, and then maybe want to see what the the follow-up to this is so i didn't think much of it um i guess it's cool that they're gonna explain and have this like a cross title story but i mean other than that i don't it's yeah i agree it's like it's kind of like it's whatever we we sort of like you said pete like he wolverine's been in the marvel universe for a while anyway he hasn't his his presence hasn't been missed necessarily so i don't think this is like oh we need this book yeah, I, I think a lot of people are going to be happy that he's back, but I don't know that we necessarily need like multiple series explaining why and how he's back. You know? Yeah. Agreed. So we'll see what happens. Like we're judging a book before it's written, so like we'll see what happens with it. Yeah. So uh, again, this book drops in uh, in April. So uh, do you guys think you go pick it up? Nope. Probably nope. not. There you go. You know. Same. Sean like, might. Yeah. Like if if Sean or or somebody else in the community that you know, whose opinion I trust uh, is, like, singing its praises and it's really good, then sure. Like, I love Wolverine, so I'm down for a good Wolverine series. But um, just on its face, that premise isn't super interesting to me. I, I'm I'm just flat not interested, so. That's fair. So next up, sort of bringing it back to uh, a news item that we've been talking about kind of almost almost week to week. Um Specifically around Marvel's comic, Marvel Comics, and their diverse offerings. Um, so, Bleeding Cool reported that uh, there were three Glad-nominated Marvel, Marvel titles. Um, but when we look at it, it 
these are all titles that are scheduled to be canceled or have been announced to be canceled. So um, this includes America, Iceman, and Black Panther, World of Wakanda. So this is just sort of, at least to me, it felt like another sort of fault in um, representing people. Um, it, you know, like, like these are books that for for better or worse, you know, like your mileage may vary on how good they are because for me, America wasn't that great. But they are books that uh, I feel are, are needed and are representing a, uh, a minority who otherwise wouldn't see themselves in, in, a, in a comic. So uh, I just think like this is sort of adding to that for me, maybe like a little bit of shame. Shame toward Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough because like, I agree with that in principle, but like I think it's like kind of disingenuous for for you to be like I didn't like America, but I'm upset that it got canceled because of like what it stands for. Like if the book isn't good and it's not selling, like Marvel's a business, you know, and like they are making an effort to create more diverse characters and put them at the forefront. Um and again, your mileage may vary on their books or how they're doing that, but like I, I don't I don't think like just because America is like culturally important means that they need to have a book about that character if it's not sustainable, you know, like they're not like killing off America because she didn't sell well, you know, like and you said yourself you didn't like the book. You stopped reading it. So I like if the book is low quality, are they really doing are they really doing anyone a service by publishing it? You know, like. It, it it's different for like if if we were talking about like you know Miss Marvel, like where like Kamala Khan's book like had a a, a really str- hot or a really hot period right where for a long time it was considered one of the better books being published and you know it, it's kind of ebbed and flowed in popularity a little bit but there is a uh there was proof in that concept of her having her own solo book. And, like, maybe that's just not the case for America. Like, coming from that perspective of, like, it is a business and, and driving a bottom line, uh, America was and is one of, or was one of the, the better uh, titles. Like, it at least uh, it may not have been as like, great, but it, it wasn't necessarily selling all that bad. Um, so it, it's just interesting to, to think that, like, sure, if it wasn't selling, like, cancel it. But if it's doing comparatively, like, decent numbers where is sort of the reason for cancellation and I, we've talked about this so like uh, well i think you know i'm of two minds here because like one yes the on principle i agree with with you marco like you know it's shitty that they're just canceling their diverse books but they're also going about it in a completely wrong way which which yeah. we've talked about you know they should have they should be testing the market with miniseries and then seeing where that goes. Yeah. Or team up books. Like there's so many opportunities for stuff like that. I mean, uh, America is, you know, she was the standout character from the young Avengers and Iceman has, you know, he's been ever popular with X-Men fans. Um, But you know, the, the storylines they chose should have been, put out as miniseries first to see you know where the sales are where uh where the interest lies the bigger problem here is that they put out 50 books a week 
you know, 50 books in, you know, a month or whatever. Yeah, 50 in a month. And and out of all of that, they only have three titles that were glad represented. And, you know, those were the ones they canceled. Like, there's a, a big market here that they're missing out on and that they're sort of trying to court but also blow off. But like that's I guess that's the question I'm asking is like is it a big market? You know? Like it are there real cuz like that this is a point that Sean brings up all the time is like America was one of those books that got written about in mainstream media and there was people out there saying how important it was and how you know how great it was that it existed but like how many of those people were actually reading that book but also you've got to take into account trade sales too which uh marvel doesn't do i saw a tweet there that i think i linked to you this week marco about uh the way marvel has been running their distribution process and basically uh, in their sales, they don't count the trade. If huh. I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, uh, they don't count the trade in the initial sales. So they the let me uh, let me think the the trade is like uh, I'm not even I'm not even going to begin to get this right. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speculate on how they do it. It's got it's got to do like the reason they're so expensive is because. Marvel knows that they can get rid of the stock on like Amazon or something. Okay. And so so they don't they still don't count the trade as part of the initial mini series sales or whatever. It's a whole thing. Um and like I regret seeing that this week and not studying up on it again, but yeah, I don't like those are the kind of books that you want in a bookstore where that audience can see it and like yes you can write about it all you want and have that audience see it and then be outraged and yeah that gives you the buzz and yeah maybe those people aren't reading it but i would also argue that they're not really getting a chance either yeah i mean and that's something we you know we did that as a main topic last week right about how bad comic books are marketed you know like I, I think, like, there's something to the idea of, like, I don't know if they even still do this anymore, but, like, a scholastic book fair kind of situation, you know, where yeah. you get the books in front of kids in an environment like that where you can have, you know, uh, a, like, a young Puerto Rican girl see America on the cover and she looks like me. Great. You yeah. know, like, um, but I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess we don't know enough about the broader sales of all of this to like really comment on how how a book like that is really affecting their bottom line or if they're giving it enough attention um but i, I the thing i was going to say before was you know like to the point of america being a standout character uh in the past that doesn't always translate to a character that can carry a a, a solo series you know like you don't need to look right. any, any further than luke cage Right, like Luke Cage's book got canceled because it didn't sell enough, and like Luke Cage has a popular Netflix show, like he is, a, you know, a well liked character, but not every character can carry a solo book month to month, you know, like, and I, and maybe that's just the reality of some of these characters, you know, and that like they do need to find 
other ways to either make them more popular first or to get them out in front of people, like Kale said, with miniseries or stuff like that and give them, you know, um, their day where it makes sense. Uh, that Twitter thread uh, was by a guy called uh, Nick Rowe. Uh, his Twitter, his handle is at SPD4649. So uh, definitely go look that up for yourself. Um, I apologize that I, I'm sure I got that information um, mostly incorrect, if not totally. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that Twitter thread is is uh, at SPD4649 from, from Nick Rowe. We'll get that down in the show show description as well. Yeah, I guess bottom line. Uh, there's like multiple things to this that you know we might we don't necessarily have we're not privy to so um it's unfortunate it, yeah it's unfortunate yeah, bottom bottom line it sucks yeah so going from that to uh, a really uh cool example of um representation uh Amy Chu recently had an interview with the Mary Sue um and she talks about reviving a green hornet property um in in Kato's daughter uh, Mulan, hmm. so um, we all know the show uh, Green Hornet. You know, back in the day, uh, it was a huge. Uh, well, it wasn't super huge in, in the U.S. Um, it, it did have its cult following, but it really grew, blew up um, in in Hong Kong due to Bruce Lee. Um, it was really popular in the states too, man. It was like a really, really, really popular radio show and. They made movies and a TV show and comic books. Like he was a big deal. I it was, was a yeah, cult it was thing. up there with no, not at it all. It was up there with the uh, the Adam West Batman. Yeah. Was it really? Yeah, dude. They yeah. had they had a show that was made by the same person that went for a season. Like it wasn't as popular, but he was like Batman before Batman. Huh. All right. Well, there you go. That's my history. Um. So, uh, Amy Chu, um, in the interview, she uh, she states that. The Green Hornet doesn't get the attention that it deserves, um, and that's one of the reasons she wants to write it. And uh, this this version of uh, the story, um, and she also says that she wants to write something that um, quote something that my parents can read and enjoy. They come from a generation in Hong Kong who were huge fans of the TV show because of Bruce Lee as Kato. Uh, it became a massive hit in Hong Kong, where it was uh, even marketed as the Kato Show. Yeah. <laughs> um, so th- this is cool. You know, she's uh, she's bringing she's making essentially uh, the focus of the story a young a young Asian hero, and uh, it's it's really cool. Uh, so like, the, what's, what's the thing that is she is she gonna be the new Green Hornet? Or so she's gonna be like the she it's it's still gonna be with Green Hornet, but she's gonna be like uh, it's gonna sort of spin off into her own book so it's gonna it's gonna like focus specifically on her and her relationship with kato that's interesting for sure um i just wonder if there's like a market for it because like i feel like the green hornet is already kind of niche so to be like here's a main story that's about his sidekick's daughter is like i like i'm interested in that because i think the green hornet's cool but like I don't know if, like, the average comics fan is even going to, like... Like, you didn't even know the history of the character, right? Like... Yeah. Like, how, ma- how many other people are just like you? I think I think it... it There will be fans of, like, Amy Chu who are probably... Who will probably follow it. Um, I would also probably argue there's probably, uh, you know, an, an Asian, Asian-American audience that if they're looking for comics, uh, you know, 
uh, and and that representation they'll probably follow it maybe yeah that said like i i, I think it's cool um i i like the green hornet but um i don't really see the appeal of the the relaunch from a couple of years ago that sort of sort of carried strong but i'm not exactly sure how um so uh I, yeah uh, again i hope it's i hope it's successful it's gonna be hitting it's actually gonna be coming out in uh in march so oh, wow right like, around the corner like, re- yeah like really really soon um and so it, it I, I guess for me it's it's cool to see like a a side character um a minority side character become like a leading role um so I, i'm i'm sort of just like viewing it from that from that angle it's just like that's like really cool to to, to have that i mean kato's the shit like yeah he's he's the star he's bruce lee like bruce lee is awesome you know like so like one of the most memorable things about the green hornet is the fact that that was bruce lee's like first significant american role so like yeah it makes total sense for the focus to be uh here for this story i just i hope people show up for it because i definitely will I'm, i'm totally in for this this is this is cool so leaving the realm of comics but going into like tv we got the chance to see the new Suicide Hell to Pay trailer. Um, so the Suicide Squad is coming back. The brand new rated R animated movie. Um, you got Christian Slater as Deadshot, Tara Strong as Harley Quinn, I love, um, and Vanessa Williams as Amanda Waller. Um, I'll start by saying this looked bad. Yep. It's dumb boring bland dc house style and i hate it wow tell us how you really feel i did um no yeah i'm not none of this was interesting to me like i'm not super into the idea of the suicide squad on its face like i really think that there's an inherent problem with it as like for me anyway like it as storytelling of like hey here are all these characters that are supposed to be bad people like feel something for them and like i just don't most of the time like that just doesn't work for me and uh like none of the jokes landed for me all of the character dynamics were like super predictable of like i don't take i don't take orders from crooks oh not even if i say please it's like just uh, fuck off like i'm not i'm not fucking interested in this at all and i you know i don't i don't mean to be so like flippant and dismissive about it but it's just it does look bland. It looks bland and predictable, and like DC's animation is usually really good. And uh, mm, no, not know. lately. That's well, that's what I mean. It's like they've been kind of on like a downward trajectory, I think. And like this just seems like something I'm not interested in. Kale. Yeah, the only interesting thing here is uh, Christian Slater for me as Deadshot, and even that's, I mean, de- decent enough casting, but I'm not gonna, not gonna go out of, go out of my way for it. Uh, alright. Next up in TV movie land, uh, The Inhumans. I fucking love The Inhumans. Oh, it's his favorite, it's his favorite show. You don't, you didn't hear about his spinoff podcast, The Inhumans Pals? Oh, really? <laughs> the Inhuman Pals. <laughs> oh, all right. No, it, uh, I mean, I was I haven't been invited, so I don't I don't know personally. It's because you're not a you're not a real oh friend. My God, Jesus, not a real pal. Um, <laughs> wow. So that's it. I'm not either. So I didn't want to. <laughs> I I turned down the invitation. <laughs> At least you got one. 
Well, you know, he like he heard me and Sean talking about it. Like, oh, okay. I, I kind of had to invite him. I would have <laughs> listen. I would have excluded take him that. too, Marco. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I'll take that. I find it what I would find if I were listening to this podcast. I would find it more insulting if I were Sean that he that he was on it. <laughs> so, Inhumans is it canceled or is it not? There was a Tumblr post from the Marvel feed that stated the Inhumans has been canceled. Uh, I did some more digging. Good. But neither ABC or Marvel Marvel has made an official announcement. It hasn't been. As of this recent article uh, from comicbook.com two days ago says that it has not been canceled. They're most likely going to. Um, I have the article pulled up. Are you telling me that the Marvel Tumblr isn't an official means of new source? Yeah, apparently. Like, yeah. Well, I w- like I would think that it's Marvel's, right? Like, like if they're running it, uh, probably not. Okay, because like if they're running it, that sounds like somebody accidentally posted something too early, like something like oh, that yeah, like that, that could was, be like a Hootsuite mistake or something. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like oh shit, it was supposed to go out next week, and they put it like one week too early or something like yeah yeah yeah. or it was supposed to go out in february or whatever you know what i mean like i don't know that's what that sounds like to me i don't think that someone would just randomly post oh this show is canceled like for no reason like that's how you lose your job running the marvel tumblr you know like (laughs) why like you know what i mean like there's gotta be there's gotta be some truth to this like the show the show was bad it performed poorly it's hawaii all over again like listen it's probably canceled but (laughs) <laughs> but yeah whatever who fucking cares about inhumans <laughs> so pulling up this article um according to abc head channing dungy um he stated dungy during a dungy d-u-n-g-e-y uh during a winter press tour with the television critics association uh he stated that quote it didn't perform for us at the level that we would have wanted uh, no surprise or there at all yeah, or or at all. Um, we haven't made any official decision yet about what we're going to to pick up in May, but I will say that the numbers, unfortunately, were less exciting for us than we hoped they would be. So, um, the Inhumans uh, ended its first season with eight episodes back in November. Um, Agents of Shield star Ming Na Wen um, almost let it slip that it probably he and humans would probably be. Uh, canceled. It currently has a ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh so, my I mean, god! Wow. Like. All, all the signs are are pointing to a potential cancellation. We're just sort of, uh, frankly, waiting for the announcement. I mean, not really. You think it's gonna it's gonna make a comeback? No, God. <laughs> no, he just means we're not waiting for the news. Like, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> we know it. <laughs> like, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath. I, I I never thought it was coming back. You know, like I I was never under the impression it was going to get a second season after how it performed. So. I'm surprised it got a full season. I'm surprised it got what it did. <laughs> um, no one here is surprised, um, but we'll keep you posted when they make it official. We'll make a post about it or something. I don't think, yeah, you don't have Probably to. Probably not. Nope. All right. There you go. Kale. Kale's laying down the law here. Um, wait a minute. This is my show, Kale. You're. I was going to say, you're a weak leader, Marco. You're just letting them walk This is my here. show, Kale. No, we're going to. You know what? The moment the news breaks, I'm gonna I'm gonna text you and I'm be like, hey, put up that article, okay? Schedule <laughs> that baby. You know what? We're reviewing the entire first season of Inhumans, Kale. We're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. Surprise! <laughs> wow, that this escalated. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so Captain Marvel. We got our first look at Brie Larson uh, as Captain Marvel. Production um, on the upcoming movie has begun, and uh, it's not what people expected. I think um, we we saw the first the first image, and she wasn't donning her famous red and blue flight suit uh, originally designed by Jamie McKelvey. She was wearing black and teal. Any thoughts? Was it black? I thought it was more of a dark blue. Yeah, it's like more of a blue. Uh, the article I have states black and teal. Okay, well, either way, teal is the the primary operative there. Uh, I think I'm I'm not personally a fan of this costume, but like I know the history behind it. I get why we're seeing it. Right, like she gets her powers from spoiler alert i guess for this movie in case you don't know anything about captain marvel for for the movie that hasn't come out yet that's based on comic books um she gets her powers from you know marvel and the kree wear teal you know it's yep. it, it looks like kree armor or something so um i'm sure that we'll see her don the the quote unquote real costume um uh, probably near the end of the movie um you know so hold your breath; it'll be fine. It's, it's like we're gonna we're gonna get there. I, it's also worth yeah. It's also worth noting that we're seeing these photos, you know, uh, completely out of context of the yeah, film. Yeah, right. Without any effects or anything like that. Yeah, like it's like calm down, internet. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, because like the two pictures we've seen are very clearly like people who are not supposed to be taking pictures like taking pictures like she's not like posing she's like looking at a script and like turning her head kind of shit you know it's like it you know like that's it, not the best way to see an outfit for the first time yeah and um and and to what pete mentioned uh the reason it is um at least within the article stating that the color choice is intended to resemble marvel's original colors um knowing that he is Cree. so there you go i mean that said this suit like if it's any indication of what her good costume will look like, like it it looks good. Like as far as like a woman's superhero costume looks, like you know, there's no boob plate. There's no she's not wearing heels. It's not super tight. Like it looks, it looks good. Like it looks like Chris Evans Captain America suit. Like it, it looks good. It looks a little bulky, I guess I would say. But again, it's we're not seeing it in its context, so. Who knows? Right. Yeah, we just got to wait and see. Yeah, something uh, Phil said was it just sort of looked a little bit unflattering. But again, this is just all out of context. Oh, but what? All superhero costumes on women have to look flattering? No, all superhero costumes in general have to look flattering. Oh, what? So superhero... Co- oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and like, you know, in that conversation, like we, you know, we'd said that pretty generally Marvel gets it right with the costumes like the only one that i brought up that could really compare to that sort of unflattering sort of bulky look was uh falcons i agree with that but again i don't i don't think this is going to be like the last costume we see her in by any means and also like i feel like a big reason it's not very flattering is the color like teal is just not a great color on anybody and like when it's yeah and also these angles like yeah and also that it's like paparazzi angles Sure. And it's also like an entire bodysuit of teal. Going into our last bit of film news for the evening. Um, evening? The I- yeah, the evening. It's fucking... We shoot this in the morning. 
Well, I don't know when people are listening to this. It's 6.30. So the I Killed Giants trailer has been released. Uh, this looked really cool. This is based off the graphic novel of the same name by Joe Kelly and J.M. Ken Nimura, published by Image Comics back in 2008. Have you have you read this? I have not, no. I, I think, Pete, you said you did? No, no, I haven't. It was a book that was recommended to me uh, by Andy okay. when we were back in college, but I just never got around to it. But it's always been like on my radar uh, as like. Yeah, I, I thought this would be. A, I thought this would be a Marco book. I, it, I mean, it. After learning about it, it definitely is. Yeah, I know. Me too. This, this is cool. I, I had like forgotten about it, and like I knew they were working on a movie like a couple years ago when they announced it. But it's just one of those things, you know, that like I just kind of forgot about. Now it's like, oh right, yeah, and that's a thing. And like I had always wanted to read it, and it's not very long. Like it's like a single graphic novel. Like it's not. It's it's a pretty light read. But what did you guys think of the trailer? He looks great. Yeah, uh, I was really into it. Um, I think like design wise, it looks really cool. Um, you know, we've got you know mo- mostly child actors that we saw, but the few adults we did see are um, like bankable stars, and. Uh, it looks like we got a good good uh, team here, you know, to make this. The yeah the the main protagonists are two young girls. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, Zoe Saldana plays like the school counselor, I guess. Yeah, or something. Um, yeah, I'm excited. This looks like a great movie for young girls to see. Like this is gonna be cool as hell. The I think they said it was the producer of of the Harry Potter series as well. Yes, so there's some correct. pedigree for making a solid you know young adult fantasy story so yeah i think this is gonna be great yeah the uh so the stars are madison uh wolf and uh she's from she was in true detective uh she was in the conjuring 2 so uh she has some she's been in some stuff and then the um yeah and then uh the other actress is uh emogen poots um who they really that's the aged- redhead, redheaded girl uh that's like the blondish girl not the main one but her not friend the, yeah her friend um uh, okay yeah, dude she's older than me she's 28 what yeah no that yeah. can't be right that can't be yeah. right that can't be right are you sure they're not talking about zoe saldana no zoe Saldana's there too but separately she uh she is karen in the 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 film there's no way that that that, that is a 28 year old woman there's no way she she must play someone else because yeah that's, yeah, that's, that's not that's that not who be, that is that has to be a mistake there's no fu- there's no fucking way all right well cor- correct us listeners if uh if you know who Imogen Poots is playing in uh in I Kill Giants let me know because it I mean there's only two like two main characters there maybe they're just not listing the other little girl as a main character you know maybe yeah like, yeah that's probably um, the older sister oh maybe it could be that's that's who that is i'm calling it that's who that is if it's an older blonde woman that she's playing the teenage sister no yeah i mean i, I hey man i'm just i'm just here you're just throwing stuff at for you the episode. i get it it's i'm fine. just i'm just throwing stuff at you guys uh no but i i think this looks great i'm i'm really interested in this and it is definitely um i i want to go back and read the book now you know, like uh, I mm-hmm. I Same. missed this book like ten years ago when it was recommended to me the first time, but I think I can catch it this time around. Yeah, um, the trailer itself it's like a fantasy has a really cool fantasy horror vibe. Uh, the giants look dope. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And just the the lead actress, the the young girl, like I don't know, there was like 
the little snippets we got of her performance, I was like, yo, she's she's good. She's good. She's got yeah. some she's got some gravitas to her. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that that she one does. line where Definitely. she's like, Do you wanna live like a coward or do you wanna live like a warrior? And I was like, You're like twelve, that's fucking badass. <laughs> <laughs> um uh and uh I Kill Giants is um gonna be hitting the theaters uh, March twenty third, so also coming up soon. Nice. For our main topic, we are going to be talking about yet another Marvel controversy. Yay! Yay! It's like oddly enough, make- in a weird way, another Marvel diversity controversy. Yeah. That's, yes. That's the. That's like every piece of news about Marvel in 2017 seems <laughs> like that's going to be the the case this year too. More than likely, yeah. Um. So, a Marvel artist, uh, jo- John Mallon currently on cable he replied to a fan who asked aren't the x-men literally social justice warriors uh so this happened this exchange happened uh, on twitter malin's response to that was x-men are closer to jews in sjw hitler's germany fighting for freedom because they see ideologues rising silencing them weaponizing hate racism and socialism against the people they claim are the root of social ills SJWs are not Nazis, but Nazis are SJWs, and X-Men aren't SJWs. Um, so like, why do you got why, why do you got bring in Hitler? So you know that you know that gif of that that white dude who's just like, that's a visual what? gag. You know the, the one where he like he just slow blinks and he's just like, it's the oh yeah yeah yeah, it's yeah, the, yeah. It's the, the excuse me gif yeah 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 yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like what Excuse like the, that was that was my response to that like when he's just like they're more like jews in sjw hitler's germany i was what what are you even talking about like <laughs> sounds like the the fucking raving the the ravings of a crazy person <laughs> i want to i want to preface this by saying no the uh the x-men aren't sjw's but I guess they're they are marginalized. I don't I don't see the connection, Malin. See, the X Men are closer to Jews in Hitler's Germany. No, in SJW. In SJW. Yeah, hold on, hold on. I, I may I'm trying to make sense of this. Okay. <laughs> so he's saying that Hitler is the SJW in this situation, the social justice warrior. He's saying that SJWs are Hitler. The SJWs are Nazis. That Nazis are SJWs, but SJWs are not Nazis. All right, I'm gonna read it one more time. Read one right. more time. I need, <laughs> I need, I need, I need to hear. I feel, I feel like I'm putting together a math. I need puzzle. to hear this out loud again. Okay. So the fan asked, "Aren't the X Men literally social justice warriors?" Malin replied, "X Men are closer to Jews in SJW Hitler's Germany, fighting for freedom because they see ideologues rising, silencing them, weaponizing hate, racism, and socialism against the people they claim are the root of social ills. SJWs are not Nazis, but Nazis are SJWs, and X Men aren't." SJWs. So, just just for context, right? Social justice warrior is a pejorative for super progressive, for considerably progressive politics when it comes to race, gender, sexuality, all that stuff, right? Yeah. So it's, it's like it's like a slur that like super right wing people use to right. talk about super left wing people. So, um, hopefully, this will clear up some of the confusion, because. Um, this article polygon he uh they reached out to malin um over over email to sort of clarify what what he meant um so malin says the intent is to point out a largely loud and growing group on the far left who are commonly referred to as social justice warriors or sjw's the most 
extreme commonly supported use and or a part of fascist, socialist, communist, anarchist groups like Antifa um, and BAM, by any means necessary, that have been attacking moderates and conservatives. Nazis and SJWs are both ideologically driven, intent on silencing speech. SJWs continually call anyone that disagrees with them Nazis, racist, sexist, homophobes, and advocate punching anyone they deem a Nazi, even the most rational people like Ben Shapiro. Um, I'm going to skip down to why he made the comparison. Uh, but he also, doesn't he also in that article say who is a Jew? Ben Shapiro, who is a Jew? Yeah, he, he puts in quotes, Jewish. <laughs> Um, or in parentheses, he's, he's Jewish. Um, ben Shapiro, Jewish. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so the reason he made this comparison uh, is I made this comparison the best I could in 240 characters on Twitter when asked if the X-Men were SJWs. I said Nazis were SJWs. Using the, the, the SJW term, uh, they use so often against innocent people, against them, and the firestorm went off. You're just talking in circles. <laughs> so, so like, so, uh, there's a lot more to this, but that's like the main takeaway. Basically, what he's saying is that Nazis and SJWs are conceptually on the extremes of either side. Like right? he's he's so, saying he's basically saying there, there are bad people on both sides. <laughs> not not there not there are bad people on both sides, but that there are people who take their ideas to the extreme. And so from that is why they are comparable. They are comparable because they take their opinions as uh, fundamental truths and they will try to express it um, in ways that might be counterintuitive, counterproductive, which is why the term is used. That's all well and good, but like one side is literal Nazis and one side is not. And like I really think that like drawing that level of comparison between People who are, like, out in the streets marching with fucking Nazi paraphernalia to, like, pissed off people on Tumblr is, like, really disingenuous. Like, it's, it's like, kind of silly. Yeah, and also, the Nazis didn't call people who weren't Nazis Nazis. No, he's saying that SJWs call anyone who disagrees with them Nazis, but they're Nazis because they attack anyone who disagrees with them. That's, yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. I'm fighting his logic. Like, if if S, if SJWs are Nazis, why would they be calling other people Nazis? Sure. Okay. Yeah, it's just... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think this makes him come off very good. Like, the, the, the whole thing is, like, I'm not gonna, like, attack someone for, like, how they speak, but, like, the quickest way for me to, like, disregard any of the things you're saying is to use buzzwords like SJW. You know, like... Like, come on, dude. Like, that. It, I don't know. Like, this entire... I, I mean, you don't have to attack him, but I fucking will. He's a fucking <laughs> jackass. No, I... I and I can't, I can't believe he'd fucking say that about fucking people. Like, what a piece of shit. Yeah, I don't know. He, he, he just comes off really gross in this exchange to me. Like, he's, he seems like... Um, I, it's, it sounds pretty sympathetic to... Uh, it's like... I don't know. Not not that it's just fucking Nazis. Nazis, but it's 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 not that though. It's it's that same like it's exactly like that speech where Donald Trump was trying to draw a parallel between like Antifa and Nazis, and it's like they're not the same. 
You know, like you can have a problem with groups like that, far left groups that have committed acts of like vandalism and stuff like that. Fine. Like hate those people for those actions. But to compare them with a group of people whose ideology is literally rooted in white supremacy is ridiculous. And and killing, literally killing. Yeah. People like, who aren't like them. Extermination of people that are not like them is like – it's they're not even remotely the same. And to like act like that they are uh, – yeah, like that they're two sides of the same coin or something is like ridiculously disingenuous. You know, like like come the fuck on, you know? Like I don't even care if they are going out in the streets and punching people. That's a lot different than like marching for ethnic cleansing or to like kick people out of the country and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like it's not – they're not out there talking about like let's establish a fucking white ethno state. Like get the fuck out of here. It's not the same thing. It's – it's it's and like anyone who thinks that is obviously sympathetic to that cause in my mind. Yeah, Um I mean, they're not comparable. I, it it doesn't. His comments don't make any semblance of sense. I, in in my opinion, like they're for what for whatever reason he's trying to compare these two groups of people, and he's doing it in a really wonky way, and then somehow bringing X Men into this. Like I don't get this. Um, well, he brought he brought the X Men into it because he was asked specifically about the X Men. But like to even try to compare them, like it was a reach. Uh, well, it was a reach, especially because he was like, they're more like Jews and SJW Hitler. Right. Jer- like, what are you fucking talking about? I don't understand how you could view Hitler as a social justice warrior. He's not. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that they are like what what it literally says. SJW Hitler's Germany. Yeah, but he's not saying that Hitler is an SJW. He's saying that they are like the the centrist or like moderate right-wing people fighting back against SJW Hitler's Germany. Not that Hitler's Germany was SJW, that the SJWs themselves are like Nazis and that they're they're Hitler equivalent. That's that's like the the parallel he's drawing. Right. So I don't I don't understand how you could make like how you could make that equivalence is what I'm saying. Because it's dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, like bottom line, like yeah, he's making that equivalence and it makes no sense. So Later on that night, he went on with a uh, noted right wing and alt right. Uh, f- oh, I can't say that. Uh, what? What? Alt right supporter, I guess I would say. Uh, Eth- uh, artist Ethan Van Shiver on a uh, on a YouTube stream, and basically expressed his be- uh, jo- John Malin expressed his belief. That the comic industry will begin to reject creators based on political views. Uh, John Malin says the next guy like me is going to be, uh, it's just going to be even more harder. These people are getting further and further into control of these companies, and when they find out you're a Trump supporter, you're gone. Malin also praised the quality of artists at DC Comics, but expressed frustration with the current state of Marvel creative. He says we keep pulling these people from these indie markets that are drawing airplane manuals 
They don't know what they're doing. They don't know anything about comics. The writers do not understand the intricacies of writing a plot so that you can really build a story from panel to panel to panel. Uh, that's from uh, CBR's coverage of, of this story. Um, Why is he not getting fired? <laughs> so he um, is going to be, his tenure is going to be ending on cable regardless. Like It was it was announced that it's going to be ending in February's cable number 154. Um, but uh, after this, uh, Marvel has has not offered any comment and have not made any uh, made any notice that he will be returning on any upcoming pro- pro- projects or any new books. Not after so, the comments like that. Yeah, um, and it, it sort of reminds me of uh, remember back last year, like in April, with um, Adrian Sayef um, yeah. sneaking in the Quranic verses. I think verses. I think that's I think that's directly referenced in that Polygon article. Yeah. Um, so like there are there are some parallels here and using this medium to represent certain people in a very negative light and um, this sucks. I guess I guess the reason I I read that last part about the CBR uh, in the CBR article is because like listen I write comic books right like I don't understand I'm gonna be, I want to be careful because I I don't want to put down anyone's work including my own right i don't understand what he thinks is hard about what he does so he he says the writers don't understand the intricacies of writing a plot so that you can really build a story for panel to panel to panel it's not that hard (laughs) it's not and i'm not i'm not saying that to disparage anyone i'm not saying i'm not saying that to put down his work i'm not saying that to put down you know the people he says draw airplane manuals he's drawing cable he's not there's not anything really landmark about what he's doing lots of people have done it before him lots of people are going to do it after him i don't get it (laughs) (laughs) i i don't you know it just makes it makes me sound shitty i guess is i guess is what i'm trying to say i don't fucking know (laughs) i mean that's what it is right there's I, i don't think there's any other way to look at it like he's just coming off as a not great person, period. Uh, and and it, and it sucks when it's around this kind of a topic because it it's already been a bad year for Marvel and it's not looking like it's starting off great. Yeah, no, I think it's gonna get a lot worse before it gets better. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, all we can do is hope for the best, and maybe they'll stop hiring people with you know weird opinions on things. Which maybe to his point, oh, you can't express your political beliefs. There you go. See, all those SJWs, guys. Yeah, just like you, Marco. Yeah, just like me. I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed in Marvel's. Uh, if your opinion revolves around hating other people for who they are, then it's a shitty opinion. And <laughs> yeah, whatever. Like, I'd rather be an SJW than a fucking Nazi. So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hate John Malin. Maybe you're not a Nazi. Fine. Are you stopping the Nazis from doing anything? Are you speaking out against the Nazis? You're not exactly looking much better. I just complaining about people on Tumblr. <laughs> we'll end with this last bit from um, the Polygon article, which uh, Kale pointed out and thought it was pretty funny. Um, in any event, a reader should be reminded that the X-Men were created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, both Jewish-American men who served in World War II Kirby in particular has Austrian roots and served on the European front. 
against the actual Nazis. Also, you know, there's a just a, a little known character named Magneto, you know, Holocaust yeah. survivor, kind of a major theme in the book. Whatever. No big deal. Fine. What, uh, Magneto? Yeah. What was it? Yeah. Magneto. Magneto? Sweet. Solid. Yeah. Uh, Ma- but Magnet Man's an SJW, guys. <laughs> All right. I'm fucking done. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> Wrapping it up. Alrighty, thank you guys for listening to my Marco special. This has been this has been fun. Sean will be returning to his regular role. Uh, thank fucking God. All right, there we go, <laughs> listeners. I tried. Please, please write in uh, in any way that you can. Send us an email at the comics. Uh, oops, the comics pals at gmail dot com. Uh, or if you want to write it on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Tell me how much you love this episode right in at the Comics Pals. Join us on YouTube, which again, will be coming out with some new content. So just stay tuned. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll make some announcements uh, later on as we get closer to any kind of release. And yeah, if you liked what we're doing here, subscribe to our channel. Uh, subscribe on SoundCloud. Give us five stars on iTunes. Kale really needs the the validation. I need food, Marco. He needs food, so go buy go buy his comics. Uh, I guess we should go into plugs then, huh? Let let go. them know where where they can get your stuff, so you can get some food. No, I start the plugs, Marco. I'm not letting you fuck this up too. <laughs> Everything. I the shirt. I oh, I messed it up. <laughs> My God. <laughs> My God, if you want to find some more of me, you can catch me tomorrow on the Video Game Pals. Uh, We'll have my friend Ed from the Party Nerds will be joining us because Sean will still be away. Um, So that's going to be a fun time. Uh, Come check that one out. Uh, We got a good show planned for you. You can also catch the three of us on the Riverdale Review, our weekly Riverdale podcast, which I'm the host of. So it runs a little smoother than things did today. Hey, I tell you what, the as as badly run as it was when i did the riverdale review it wasn't this bad (laughs) yeah this is a train wreck that was more like a small bus crash (laughs) Uh, well this is good and uh you can yeah i'm on all our shows go fucking check them out please subscribe to the youtube channel um we're real close to 100 subs i would really appreciate it if you could go and get help us hit that milestone uh, and then if you want to get more from me, you can find me at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to talk to me about any of the stuff we talked about today uh, or on any of our shows um, or anything, really, I guess. And uh, check out cute pictures of my cat over on the Instagram. And then you can get my writing at CBR.com. I've got a new joint out this week about uh, 15 celebrities who have just weird nitpicky complaints about the superhero genre uh it was a fun one to research you'll definitely get a laugh out of it there it includes some great ironic picks like the time that the creative mind behind die hard complained about captain america's toxic american masculinity didn't jason statham said something about his grandma being a superhero his grandmother being able to do the stunts yeah there's so there's some gems like that so good tim burton feels that we need more happy superheroes irony tops well that one that's legit. I, yeah, I but like, that whatever. Just go read it because there's a lot of great picks about people who just apparently have no sense of irony. So uh, <laughs> that's that's it for me. Kale? Uh, you can find my stuff and my comics uh, at Panels Comics um, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Twitter, it's Panels Comics with an X. You can see where we're going to be next. Uh, I believe we just got our table at Thought Bubble. So we'll be at Thought Bubble 2018, uh, which we, man, we just fucking love and this year was amazing so i uh i know the panels crew can't wait to see what happens uh this year buy the comics on comiXology 
uh, under Panels Publishing on and on Selfie.com slash Panels Publishing. We also have an Etsy. I'm sure you can just Google Panels and find it, find the Etsy where you can order the, the physical product. Uh, you can uh, find me and talk to me on Facebook and Twitter at uh, Toto in Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Oh, one more thing. Uh, the art for our logo, we, we don't bring this up a lot, is uh, by Letty Wilson. She is at Patchwork Person on uh, Twitter. And uh, she is going to be part of Hope Nicholson's upcoming anthology, The Secret Loves of Geeks. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. And she she did the art um, in that book and the the story and the art in it. Uh, she gave me a sneak peek. It's incredible. Um, so I hi, highly recommend you uh, go find that anthology and, and get it. Follow her on Instagram too. Um, yeah, it's at uh, Toadlet, right? Yep, I think so. Yeah, and yeah. Her her, um, her art is just great. I mean, she's done all the pals heads. Like we're big fans. It's uh it's Goblin Week, so uh, oh she's every every, every year people do uh. A big group of goblins. I've got a great big group of goblins on my wall that she did last year. Oh my god! I want to um, write a comic called "Great Big Group of Goblins" and have Letty. Letty, <laughs> Letty's Letty's incredible. Um, you can find Phil's garbage uh, at Cyborg Bebop, um, and uh, I have a special song. Uh, so to help you remember how to spell it, it's C C Y. Sorry, I'm out of tune. Oh my God. C-Y-B-O-R-G-B-E-B-O-P. I don't think that's how he does it, but all right. Uh, I did, his song is shitty. Mine is better. <laughs> uh, and then you can find Sean at Sean Soapbox on Twitter only. Oh, and I forgot. I have one more thing to plug. Um, so I also worked on a comic that's coming out. Uh, I did lettering on uh, issue number three of an indie book uh, by Blackstone Comics called James vs. the New World Order. Uh, it's currently on Kickstarter. This is going to be its last week. Uh, so go support it. Cool. Saving the best for last. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Marco Animoto. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. See you next week. That's what I say. Fuck you, Marco. God damn it. <laughs> I'm done. I'm fucking <laughs> done. When's Sean come back? My face is on the shirt. Won't see anybody at this rate next week. <laughs>